It would have to be tomorrow if we had to. The broadcast oh. is live. It no. is. Broadcast live. It is. <laughs> Game time. Lego. world of technology gave us a slight delay due to high traffic. I guess that's a good time to know that a bunch of people are using this site, but nevertheless, they're back. So tonight we have a great show planned for you today. We have the infamous Ben 69 Rogers on here tonight talking about hustle and entrepreneurship. As always, it is your favorite Chrissy Chris, aka the Deuce is Wild. And I have returned with my favorite guys, the big joker <laughs> and the jack of all trades. <laughs> what up, dog? What's going on? What up? What up? What's what up, good? Rich? What's happening, y'all? What's good, good with you? Good. Six oh, nine, tell us a little bit about yourself, what you do, brag on yourself. Just tell a little bit about what we're gonna hear today. Well, I got a I got a real extensive background in a lot of things. Um, being a military brat, you know, at a young age, showed me that I could do do just about anything I wanted to do. You know, when I grew up, but one of the things I wanted to do, you know, I was growing up was shoot basketball. You know, I went to college, shot basketball in the college. I shot basketball in the army, um, which was I shot basketball in the army before I went to college. Uh, I'm a war veteran. And my background is in logistics management, which I did here in the States for almost 15 years before I took it overseas. And I did it overseas for about four, about four and a half, almost five years. Um, yeah, I contracted in Afghanistan and that was a eye opener. I ended up over in Afghanistan because I got laid off from my job here in the States. So just so happened I had applied in the summer of 2008. I had applied for so many jobs overseas as they were hiring and I wasn't getting anything here in the States and I ended up getting a call to go to Kuwait first. Um, I turned that down and then it was almost like the money wasn't good enough for me to be away from my family. So I kind of, you know, like sometimes when you do something, you be like, man, I hope I didn't turn a blessing away, you know, ended up, you know, me and my wife, we, we, we talked about it. We prayed about it. And the next day I got the phone call for the actual job that I really wanted. And, you know, it kept me away from my family for a while, but it helped put us in a me and my wife in a situation where we could move the way we wanted to move. So when I came back home in 2012, um, it was 
it was on. My my quest was I don't ever want to work for anybody again, you know. <laughs> because that pain, you know, of not being able, you know, worrying if you're going to be able to provide for your family, that's a scary feeling, you know. And when I got laid off, that's the feeling that I had, you know. So there was not any lens or any place I wouldn't go on this earth to provide for my family. And I ended up going into a war zone, putting myself in danger just to, you know, to, to put food on my on my table. But, you know, as men, that's what we do. I came home in 2000, at the end of 2012 and um, bought into my first nightclub. Um, it did okay for about first, you know, five or six months. And then it started going under and it went under, stayed out there for about a, about a year. Which and one was that? That was pure. Pure, um, pure ultra lounge. Ooh, I was one of the one of the part. I was one of the partners in there after, after um, Stephen Davis had you know pretty much gave up on it with the grown and sexy element. You know, um, me, me and one of my former partners, they were already there, so I just basically bought into it with them. And it, <laughs> the demographics weren't the same. You know, it wasn't grown and sexy anymore. Uh, was getting harassed a lot by by Lexington County for some of the events that we were having, but it's something that I wanted to do. I felt I could succeed doing it, and it was fun at the time. Over you know over the years, we opened up we opened up more venues, and some of them were fun. Some of them weren't weren't as fun. <clears throat> I began to quickly realize how fast you can get financially strapped trying to run not only one business but multiple businesses you know and you're you're basically with one business you're, you're basically you know one or two months away from you know from devastation and the events that can take place from other people at your establishment will help determine how long you stay open which you see a lot of you know a lot of establishments closed down it isn't due to the negligence of the owners you know, people always say, oh, they should have had more security. Oh, they should have had the police. Well, the police ain't always able to come out. If you contract <laughs> with Richland County, Richland County will tell you straight up. We are there at our time. If we get a call to go somewhere or we have another assignment, we may not be there or we may be there. You know, we, we ran into that quite, quite a bit. But the nightlife is just one of those businesses up and down. Everybody thinks it's real lucrative, which it can be, but it takes a lot of strategic planning, trust, and, um, and great people around you, great people working with you to push a, to push a nightlife establishment to make it successful. Because if, if not, you're just going to end up with some term I, I like to use is just some slop, meaning you got somewhere that anybody want to go. You don't want an establishment where anybody want to go. You want an establishment that's select for people. You know, 2014, we opened up Mint and it was grown and sexy. Everybody was dying. Oh, we can't. Oh, we got a grown and sexy spot. We got a grown and sexy spot. And we all knew, me and all my partners, we knew that, you know, how long is it going to take for Columbia to get tired of? How long is it going to take for people to stop wanting to put clean clothes on and dress shoes and, you know, <laughs> Put their, leave their hats in the car, you know, and and come to the club and not listen to, you know, Future and, you know, Gucci Man all night. Right, right, right. 
So we had, <laughs> we had, man, we had strict like. policies. We had strict policies when we, we opened up. Man, I remember we had every R&B artist that was available come through there. And that was for a reason. We were trying to promote that Columbia can still do grown and sexy things, you know, and let the kids do their stuff over there. And, you know, we, you know, everybody would be happy. But, you know, it, it, it slowly ran its course. Um, it was okay for about two years, and then it kind of ran its course. It's, it was one of those things where, you know, I love to greet people. Me and everybody I've ever worked with, I've ever partnered with, love to greet people. We love to be the guy at the door be like, hey, man, thank you for coming out, man. You know, hey, come on in. You know, first drink is on me. You know what I'm saying? You know, you introduce us to your lady. You know, we tell your lady you're a good guy. You know, you know <laughs> stuff like that, you know. But, man, it kind of, you know got to a point to where when, when you see somebody at the door, it's not it's not hearsay. It's not anybody telling you. You're seeing it for yourself. You're seeing a guy come up with jeans and, and, and some, some, you know, some dress shoes or something, but has a hat on. And you try to tell him, you know, you know, hey, man, appreciate you for coming out, man, but you have to leave the cap in the car. And they tell you, man, you know what, man, I'll just go somewhere else. Because they didn't want to abide by the dress code. And, you know, uh -huh. huh? I hate to cut you off. Um, how, what percentile would you say credited that to the shift in the nightlife and made it difficult for your transition to keep a mature, grown and sexy crowd going on in Columbia? I wouldn't say it was a big percentage. Um, I would say our dress code was a part of it. Um, another part of it was we were closing at two. We were closing at two, and everybody doesn't close at two. Like, you you know, but we were closing it too, trying to keep it like that. You got some people don't like to leave a house until 1, 1 1.30, you know. So I would say when you have other other places and people have other choices of to go to, it gives it, it gives it more, you know, a more broad. You got a more broad variety. And I think um, I don't blame Mint, you know, the, not keeping it standard up on anybody or any one situation. I think Mint just ran its course on that grown and sexy. Um, we started bringing artists and it wasn't doing as good as it was in the past. And it kind of watered our demographics down. And we did like every other grown and sexy club in Columbia does. And probably, you know, in America, we ended up lowering our standards. You know, we let up on our first um, I mean, we used to have all the DJs come in there. Um, you know, every local DJ came in there puffing. You know, one of the main things I would tell them is, man, you better play a lot of R&B and then play some trap and then get back to R&B. Yeah. Because that's the vibe we were getting from people. They didn't want to, you know, hear the same music. You know, everybody, all our kids was in the 20s. Um, my, like my son was almost in the 20s, you know. But everybody is in the 20s, high teens, you know, in teens in high school. And it's okay to listen to the same music as your kids do. But ain't nobody trying to party with their kids. You ain't trying to go to the club and, oh, they got my son right over here. You know, hey, come, you know, hang out. You, know. you don't want to be in the club and hear nobody call you by your mister or miss. <laughs> yeah, you know, you go out there, you know, to, to party with your peers and stuff. So we end up like, you know, we lowered, we lowered our standards a little bit. And it really, it really hurt us. It hurt us. It hurt us to a point to where, you know, it's one of those things you have to make a decision on 
how long you want to keep going. And if you want to keep going down the same road, we kind of made a decision that uh, we weren't going to keep going down the same road and meant shut down for a little while. Um, we tried to open it back up a, a, a couple of times and it didn't work just because of the demographics of where it was. And we ended up selling it. Um, and, you know, pretty much moving on. I stuck around as a consultant for a little while, you know. I still consult with it. One of my good friends, um, Vic, you know, from Victory Promotions, that we do the concerts with. He he wanted he wanted to jump in and give it a run, and now he's doing it. Now he's um, getting it back going, but it's not a club. It's just a restaurant now. Due to some unfortunate incidents that happened out there, like I was telling you about, everything's not, you know, control. You can't control what somebody else does. But you do have to live with the consequences of what somebody else does when you hold liability for the, you know, for the property that everybody's in. But the nightlife, where I see the nightlife is in Columbia right now, um, I think it can get better. I think I think it has been a lot better, but I think it, I think it's trying to progress. There's venues now for some of the young, younger people to go to that. You know, I'm hearing a lot of good things about, and there's some some venues for some of the older people to go to, but you know, the safety the safety of people in establishment right now is is kind of hard because, you know, no matter how much money you spend on security, no matter you know how hard you promote a certain demographic, you can never guarantee the safety of people. And right now, people are more concerned about their safety. COVID is starting to slow down, you know, where it's not a big deal anymore. But just the between the gun violence, you know, and the, and the fightings and stuff like that, that's just something you can't, you know, determine. You just have to be prepared for stuff like that when it happens, because it's going to happen. And your readiness and your preparedness will determine how you end up at the end of the night. And Unfortunately, it's not, you know, always a good circumstance for everybody. But I see a lot of a lot of stuff. You know, I try to get I get out probably now about once every two months. I don't really go out that much anymore, but I'll go out and, and pop my face up in a couple of spots you know, that that I've been to before. Sometimes a couple that I haven't been in, you know, everybody show me love. People be happy to see me. That's always a good feeling. When people are happy to see, you, you know, and you go um, show some people some love and stuff like that. But you know, I hope I hope Columbia nightlife can pick back up. But what I'm seeing is a trend, and it's a trend all across America. From um, when we do these shows, we do after parties at, at clubs all around, you know, America. And these club owners are dealing with the same things that we're dealing with here. These club and bar and lounge. You know, you try to be a lounge or you try to be a bar. You know, you can't make your money. You got to try to stay open late and make money. Um, happy hour is not a big thing. Happy hour people want to go to, you know. Their, their little neighborhood spots. You know, happy hour. I'm not trying to go to a club. They want to go just to a bar, have some drinks, and go home and get home to their families. You know, so either way, either side, you know, it can be it can be a little rough, but systemically, people getting in bad situations all over America, and it's not really a lot these club owners can do. Now, so, when they so told me you were coming on this show today, right? Mm -hmm. They told me you were the smokehouse person. I'm thinking barbecue. He said you, you did the nightlife, told me about spots. I'm definitely, a, I miss Pierre. I ain't gonna lie to you. I would travel from the Northeast all the way over there frequently. Mm -hmm. However, 
a comment came up that said, my brother is my hero. I ain't going to lie to you. From war vet to military to family to clubs to smokehouse, I think you might be on that with that hero stuff. That is a lot. To hey, make. that was the best biography we done got. I ain't kidding. You sit back and think that you, I mean, think about it from, I mean, you've lived a lot of lives. Mm-hmm. to provide for a family and yourself and to build a full-blown legacy and many of us we complain about getting up we complain about getting up in the morning and going to work um <laughs> but to do what you have done and to accomplish what you have accomplished and not skip a beat and knowing when to let go and start over or when to move on and get ready for the next or when to adjust to adapt to kick to pick up when you're having a moment or something changes that's huge because some people stay stuck in their ways blackberry didn't change they stayed in their ways and the company shut down after being as great as they were but you adapted you ever um you ever done something for the first time or found yourself in a situation where you have to do something and you find out you were good at it. Mm-hmm. Well, when I got <laughs> sent over, when I got sent overseas, I was, I, before I left, I was a, I was a, a warehouse manager here in Columbia. I was managing two um, 50,000 square feet warehouses over by the, by the airport. So when I took the job to go overseas, I went overseas as a warehouse man, but I was making more than I was making here in the States. You know, the overseas wow. got the uplift. So I didn't mind, you know, taking the the title degrade because the income was more. <laughs> so when I got over there, they had me working in the warehouse, man, driving a forklift. Everything that I did when I was, you know, 20, 21 years old, they had me doing that again. But I did it for two years, worked my way up from foreman to supervisor. By the time I made it to supervisor, I was running a dining facility in Afghanistan, feeding 4,000 soldiers every day. Wow. Now, I didn't go over there to cook because that's not my background, but the field that I was in, I could, only way I could get promoted was to stay in my department. And, you know, they kept telling me, stay in your department. Stay in your department. Don't leave. Because if you leave, there's no guarantee, you know, for your position. There's no guarantee you're going to get promoted. You may leave your department and go... If I'd have left my department and went on a logistics side, I might have never got promoted because there have been so many people in front of me. But I did my job, did what I was supposed to do, ended up getting promoted and learning the way the, the government contractors have to use quality customer service and just detail with their SOPs, their standing operating procedures was how I've always worked in the logistics field. So all I was doing was moving from logistics field to the food service field. So when I moved to the food service field, I found out that I liked it because I like to eat. <laughs> I love to eat. <laughs> Who doesn't? <laughs> and when I learned when I learned how to systematically feed 4,000 people every day, running a dining facility 24 that has to keep going 24 hours a day on different shifts. Um, I already knew how to lead people. So that was no problem. So everybody that worked for me, I just, you know, had a great relationship, a great working relationship with them. And I, I led by example, as always, I'd be the first one to jump in there with you when I actually do something. And if I actually do something, I'll never ask anybody to do anything. I'm still like this today. I'll never ask anybody to do anything that I don't know how to do. 
if if that's the case, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it with you. We're gonna learn together. But you know, bottom line, it needs to get done. And when I when I got that love for man, I can I can really successfully feed these people and they like the food. When I came home, I was always devil and dabbling on the grill, but I was a backyard griller, just like anybody else. I wasn't any better than anybody else. But I started digging into it more, digging into it more, trying to figure out how this taste is in this in this meat. How are they getting this taste in this meat? You know, and I started doing my research and going around visiting barbecue restaurants and they weren't using charcoal, they were using wood. That's where the that's where the smokehouse comes from, you know. Then so I when you work. realized you were good at something, how did you go from making it a, a hobby and a talent to a business? Time and patience, because I've I've the, the clubs and the restaurants taught me how to run a business. Can I, can I intercept you right there? Can I intercept you right there? Yeah. I appreciate you being so transparent and honest, but I'm, I'm going to let them in on a little bit more. Uh, I just I just appreciate your process, man. I remember 10, 12 years ago when we were uh, putting flyers on cars together, man. You know, everybody was putting flyers on cars. I remember sitting and just asking you a question and you giving me so much knowledge and information about your transition to wanting to do uh, grilling. I was in there just to get some side, man. You, we talked about 35, 40 minutes about this, man, but I I know what you went through in the cold and rainy nights passing out flyers. I want to tell I want you to tell us how you had to go in, transform, but remain the same. And how does this differentiate from you going into your passion now? Because you were very passionate about the party scene, but when you were talking about the grilling that day, I just saw it in your eyes and then just see this coming to fruition. Like yeah. I think you're taking the humble approach, but bro, give us the gritty. I saw you come out All the right. mud. I'm gonna give you the gritty, okay? <laughs> well, it all started while I was while I was um, still working here in the states. I was a party promoter. I was a party promoter, and we did a lot of big parties. I mean, we were the main ones passing out flyers in Columbia, um, big motor mayor, and we were get them boys entertainment. Me, my partner Vic, and my other partner Mont, and um, my partner Cuz, but. Um, Cause Jeff, you're gonna meet him. He's my he's actually he's actually my uh, my business partner with Metro Smokehouse. Real good guy. Y'all don't seen him before. Y'all might just not know him by name. But what we were doing, we were out there doing all the legwork with the flyers. We had a little bit of MySpace hype, but back then MySpace. Yeah, my back space. then <laughs> back then eight. the hype. Back then, the hype came from the hype came from who had the most flyers on the street, and could you afford to do radio? Well, one one day we scraped up some money from our paychecks, um, went down to that radio station to hire Big G and um, Big G and Big Sexy. Yeah, I remember <laughs> Big Sexy. <laughs> and we asked them to do uh, a party. It was. Um, Labor Day, Labor Day weekend down at the Holiday Inn. And we put $300 on the radio. And we probably passed out about five, about about 25 to 3,000 flyers. Because this is before anybody was getting flyers ordered in Columbia. We were taking them to work, printing them out, and cutting them on the cutting board. 
using up all of our all of our jobs <laughs> paper and any kinkos kinkos on two that, you hear that hurt they paid three hundred dollars quit fussing at me about money <laughs> did you hear me tell him i remember when we used to do it go ahead six yeah and when we went down there i came back and um after i paid i paid the three hundred dollars well matter of fact i paid the three hundred dollars was it repeat it again yeah, the three hundred dollars was a deposit for Big Sexy. That was a deposit for Big Sexy and Big G. So when I came back, my partners was like, "Well, when do we start on the radio?" I said, "That doesn't cover the radio. That just covers the DJs." So I had to call down and go back down there. That's when we set up our first account. That was like two thousand three, two thousand four. We got on the radio. Make a long story short, we ended up having about twelve hundred people at that party. And that showed us, oh man, we can do this, you know. You know, being a promoter wasn't hard. It wasn't hard then. It ended up being hard, you know, later on. But transitioning from a party promoter to a club owner, that was some serious stuff. I thought being a club owner was gonna be easy. I'm a promoter. Hell, I can get people in the building. Man, right. there's so many different aspects of owning a club that people just don't know. That liquor license is the hardest thing in the world to get. Let me tell you. That's, that's the part that um, that I want to really horn in on. I know he said get to the gritty, but the liquor license, the, the EIN, the getting the business license with South Carolina, trademarks, that stuff is high. Why, yeah. why is it so hard to get that liquor license though? Like, well, what do they think you're going to do? Serve it to 10 year olds? Um, here in South Carolina, um, South Carolina, the way the way their liquor license laws are, you know, you can't be a felon. Um, nowadays, they want you to be able to show how you got the money to open to open this place. I guess they do their due diligence to make sure you didn't do anything illegal. They run a they run a sled background check. You have to do an app. You have to do an application. Fill out you know with all your information and everything. And then once you get everything done, it goes to the uh, to the ABL department at Department of Revenue. They review it, but they don't only review it. They send you out a sled agent to investigate you before you get your liquor license. You have to interview with the sled agent in your building. Now, if the sled agent sees anything that may or may not be suspicious, they can hold you up for as long as they determine. Like, they can hold you up for as long as they determine for you to get your liquor license, for them to grant it to you or not grant it to you. Depends on what that sled agent reports back to them. And it's, it's wow. we've had, we had some that where we got the liquor license like that. Man, we got some that we were held up for like six to months to a year. And we had some that we had to lease on the building. We spent money and we never got the liquor license. Yeah. So, so what's the difference between a liquor license and the beer and wine license? license? Well, the beer and wine license. I mean, it's alcohol. Okay. The way they determine it is a beer and wine license. It's all determined by taxes. How you pay it. your beer, you get your beer and wine license, your beer and wine license, you pay those taxes with your regular sales tax, your retail sales tax. Your ABL is considered liquor by the drink. Those taxes are totally separate. So basically, oh, 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 six, oh, six. I want I want you to say that again because everybody thinking, like you said, 
They don't know the, the nuances and the steps you have to go through. And I know you, you've you been through it. You understand what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. oh, yeah. Explain that and heighten that again for anybody who's just trying to think that they just got $100,000 and they can open a club because they're popular. Nah. So it's, nah. it, it just I just need you to emphasize that again. The Department of Revenue has to determine that you are a person of moral character, meaning that once they grant you your liquor license, you're not going to do something that's unbeknownst to what that application states and what you told them. That's like a lounge or a restaurant. You're trying okay. to get I'm, I'm going to clarify that. In South Carolina, there is no such thing as a club. Say what now? In South Carolina, according to the Department of Revenue, and y'all can look this up, there's no there's no such thing as a club. Now, y'all heard a lot before how people are turning, they go get a license, say they're a restaurant, and they turn into a club. Yeah. Guess what? That's the only way you can get a liquor license is to have a restaurant in South Carolina. There's nothing wow. on the application to say free club. game, free game. <laughs> Damn. What I'm saying is like all jokes. Six, you ran into people uh, being in this nightlife business. They're thinking that they could just throw their money on it and it's supposed to happen. They they just want to bet on the winning horse. But at the same time, like, just separate the men from the boys because that that money could only just be thrown on the problem for so long. They're going to do their due diligence to make sure. And well, it's it's like having a whole lot of money and feel like you can you can interact or infiltrate a a, a a group of people that are making money just because you have money. It doesn't work like that. Mm. Uh, mm. A, circle, a circle of people that have their stuff together will allow somebody to make money with them that they agree with, that they have things in common with, and that they feel may be trustworthy. And that's exactly how the Department of Revenue look at people when they, you know, critique them whether or not they're going to give them a liquor license or not. They turn people away every day. And to get it, it's hard. To keep the liquor license is even harder sometimes depending on what you're doing. You know, the nightlife business, you're always at Jeopardy every weekend. Every night you're open, you're at Jeopardy of losing your liquor license. You know? You know, you got people somebody gets hurt in there real bad. Somebody gets hurt in a parking lot, you know? Somebody, you know, indulges in alcohol too much and goes down the street and gets in a bad accident or something, God forbid. People can sue you, you know? It's so much liability involved with that, with having a liquor license. And also what it does, you have a regular business with a retail business license here in South Carolina. You can fly under the radar all day long. But once you add that ABL license, that liquor by the drink, you you just put yourself in a whole nother criteria. Now you got eyes on you because the perception is everybody that has a liquor license is, you know, their intent is crooked or something. I don't know. It's like the the stipulations of what they put on you, the way they watch you is, you know, it's it's, kind of crazy sometimes. And I, I, you know, I haven't held one for a few years. I don't know if it's lightened up or whatever. But it, it, it's tough. You gotta with a liquor license. You gotta play by the rules, man. Because if you don't, they're gonna burn you. They they will burn you. There ain't no so ways around. It. That that liquor license and that D heck that D heck license to make sure you can run your smokehouse and get some of those busting ribs. I, I saw you in the competition this past weekend at Doco Manor, uh, Mr. Rodriguez. Um, 
Ed's father shouted you out. He said, "Uh, you 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 seemed a bit nervous." But I said, "Nah, Ben, he wasn't nervous, man. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm just happy to see you to have your ribs. I remember you start off with a slab, and now you're comfortable with smoking three, four slabs at one time. That just shows the growth of the three majority." Or four. Hey, he ain't worried about a lawsuit, Chris. He worried about salmonella yeah. now. So, <laughs> you well, can't just you know, throw no liquor on the ribs, man. Right. It's made one, us. Thing, one of the things with that food that I came proficient with overseas is, is um, food service. Just all the way around. Food service and food safety. Um, one of the things about making sure people enjoy your food is making sure that food is safe. Absolutely. And um, I consider myself a professional in food service management all the way around. Safety also. Um, you're talking about things like salmonella, E. coli, norovirus. These are all things that are, you know, in the surf, in the surf. Look the words up before he got on camera. He looked those words up before he got on camera. Uh, <laughs> that, don't believe him. That's he stumbled on the last word. He said salmonella, uh, E. coli, all my food service people know the language that I'm talking about and these are I mean it's just so many things that you have to do to to make sure that your food is safe for people to consume you know you can get it you can cook it do all the stuff to it but if if you're not keeping your food safe from from bacteria and foodborne illnesses and viruses before they eat it, then you know you're not you're not doing your due diligence as a as a business. And one thing I pride myself on, not just the food taste, but the safety of the food. You can yeah. feed my food to your baby if you want to. It's gonna be good for them. It's gonna be healthy. Well, all of it ain't good for them. Them ribs, them ribs and that pulled pork ain't good oh, for nobody. Hurt that hurt gonna run around telling everybody you can feed that food to a baby. It's gonna be his life for the rest but, of the hey, year. You know, one that's one of the main things I pride myself on is food safety. That because that comes before the cooking, and that is the main key to cooking is your food safety. Nobody gonna want to eat your food if you run around making people sick. I see a B on your door. I ain't coming in. Yeah, there you go. Hey, what 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 letter you got on your trailer, bro? I don't have it yet, but when I get uh, it, hold up. I don't have it yet. <laughs> it is, when I get bro, it, they say, I don't want to come to the trailer and you got a styrofoam plate over the letter. I'm gonna need to see the letter, bro. Right there. One of the things you said that I, I want to kind of carry back or kind of travel back was you mentioned before you became successful with anything, you understood business. You knew how to run a business. It is a lot of people with great ideas, great visions, great, you know, oh, we could do this, we could do that. But if you do not know how to run a business, that idea is not going to go nowhere because you got to know how to keep it going once you get it started. Right. Some businesses you can run that are by yourself. You don't have to interact with people. You can do them on a computer. The businesses I prefer to do, I have to interact with people. I've always had, and I've always been a people person. I'm, you know, I'm six foot nine. I'm the guy everybody wants to run up and talk about basketball and, you know, where'd you shoot? And, oh, my God, I bet you'll knock somebody out. You're so big. You know, I'm a gentle giant. Hey, I done knocked some people out before. But that ain't, you know, that ain't nothing I run around just telling nobody. Word. But I'm a, I'm a people person. Part of my character, part of everything that I do is interacting with people. I love to talk to people. 
that is people having people skills is the first thing about management. Huge. You have to know how to talk to people. Running a business, you have to, that you're interacting with people, you have to have people skills. My 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 good quality is I know how to talk to people without disrespecting them. I can get you to do something and make you feel good about doing it. You know, that's always a good quality that I feel I have. And not only because they're getting paid to do it because, you know, they want to do it. I've so we're never... titling this segment Black Wall Street for a reason, because we really do need a, a Black Wall Street everywhere where you have Black businesses that empower other Black businesses that, that encourage Black, the community, the Black dollar, and our children to, to take their gifts and make a manifest. But the biggest piece about Black businesses is customer service. And when you were talking about people skills, that's a part of customer service. How do you maintain a great customer service experience in addition to having good people skills i listen to what people tell me i listen he listens i listen to what people tell me i'm good with with corrective criticism it is one of the most important parts of growth if you can accept your failures it can help push you to be great it can help push you to to be successful if somebody can tell you something that you did wrong and you cannot take it personal, don't matter always how they told you, if it's wrong, it's wrong. If you can accept that and realize where that can help you grow, it'll make you better than you were the day before. And so, 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 so what did you do the first time somebody told you your ribs wasn't no good? That's what I was about to ask, bro. When somebody told you there was this piece of food. I tell them, you go find a better one and then line them up right here and we're going to go toe-to-toe. -to -toe. That's all I'm going to tell them. Right. And some mean-ass ribs in the air fryer. So I don't <laughs> want in to the, in, the, in, the, in the what? <laughs> he comes in, in, in the air fryer. In the air fryer. And you remember those spell. ribs? Hey, beef, but that old clerk came out that board just now. That old clerk came out just now. air fryer. <laughs> I'm waiting. Nah, it's a lot of other barbecue. It's a lot of other barbecue places in this area. The Midlands is is really known for a lot of good barbecue, and and there's a couple of spots that I, you know, I we we go to all the time. You know, when 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 we don't feel like cooking here, you know, and um, the the good thing about that is most people's food, most people's barbecue tastes different. Everybody barbecue doesn't taste the same. Um, one thing I can say about my barbecue, um. Uh, at Metro Smokehouse. Let's get into that. Let's get into Metro Smokehouse. Okay. Our barbecue is that shit. It's smoke. It's hardwood smoke. You gonna when you bite it, you're gonna taste the smoke. It ain't got no none of that. Um, what's that stuff? That that liquid smoke people be using. Nah, we got we got a fair amount of seasoning for the taste, but then we go all smoke and we go smoke. Anywhere from five to six hours on our ribs. We go Ooh. 10 to 12 hours on our brisket. And we go Look at him bragging, Ian. Look at him bragging, Ian. Go he ahead. Him. Yeah. Yeah, we, go 10, we go 10 to 12 hours on our pulled pork. And our chicken, we smoke our chicken hot. Smoke our chicken at about 300 to 350 degrees for about an hour and a half. You know, we go with the chicken hot and fast. So with the chicken, if you smoke that chicken slow, it'll come out real rubbery. And people don't look at it, oh, this ain't done. So you got to smoke it a little hotter, 
a little faster, but still with the smoke flavor to get that tenderness in the meat when you bite it. And that's that little steam come out of it. And those 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 seasonings hit your taste buds. And then you realize, you know, the same thing with the ribs after you bit it and you eating it and you be like, damn. Hey, hey, if your ass ain't about to cook now, if you ain't about to cook now, don't be talking like that. Because I know when you're flirting with me. I know when you're flirting with me. Unless you got a slab of beef ribs back in the back, don't talk to me like that. Miss Iris, when we came on the show, Ben said you was being nosy. I looked out for you. My birthday is in June. I need all that stuff he just described. I need that tonight. I need that tonight. Look, when you bite it, right? You bite it and you've been chewing it and you see how immaculately delicious it is, right? And then guess what you realize? It's all smoke. What you realize? It ain't got no sauce on it. <laughs> hold on, you did, hold up, 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 hold up. Bring it back. You ain't using that. salt and pepper? No, I said it ain't got no sauce. Ain't no barbecue sauce. Like oh, so you dry rubbing. Rubbing. You dry rubbing everything. That was dry rub. That's right. That's right. <laughs> nah, see, look at you. Nah, I got Old two barbecue sauces. I got two hey. barbecue sauces that I make. Ian tried one of them out. Ian tried both of them out at the, at the show. Speak, Ben, tell them what the place. You don't have to have them. They're hold up. Hold up. Hold up. Damn it. Hold up. Majority give you perks. Six nine give you perks. Why ain't got no damn barbecue sauce, man? <laughs> Hey man, because you can't say air fryer, that's why it's air fryer. <laughs> <laughs> ben, tell the people what you placed a couple weeks ago in your first competition. Oh, yeah, my first my first rib competition is something I always wanted to do. I've never tried to cook competition ribs. There, there's there's something different. It's different. I always said I'll cook competition ribs when I get in a competition because competition ribs are not ribs that you sell. A competition rib. There's certain things they judge on, which is appearance, um, taste, um, and texture, and the bones. It's just like you think of a rib, oh, it's falling off the bone. It's got to be good. Well, to us, that's good. But to a judge, if your rib is falling off the bone, you coming in last place. That's not good. The science of barbecue for competition requires you to be able to cook that rib to where you bite it, you leave a teeth mark in it and it pulls away a little bit with a little tub and the meat does not detach from the bone easily. You have to pull it away. Now, to be able to do that, you have to know time and temperature and heat, basically. No, tell him what place you came in out of all them cooks. I came out of fifth. cooks, bro. Yeah, I came in fifth. You out of how many? Yeah, out of my first. Out of my first. Hey, hold up, hold up. Out of how many? You know, you judge the kicking it for dads. One of the contestants yeah. came in eighth, and he said he saw you out there. He thought he came in higher than you, so he told me to give you a message. Said this year he don't want you to be a judge. He wants your ass in the contest. But you came in fifth. No, I'm gonna act like I didn't hear him. Nah, anybody, <laughs> anybody that was out there. Anybody that was out there. There was a lot of people out there too. No, anybody that yeah. was out there at um Sesquipe Park. They don't want to see me. They don't even, even, even want to see me with a George Foreman. Beer. They go to smoke. They Look, go to smoke. They don't, don't want to see me with a George. Hey, Foreman we got a thousand dollar prize this year, bro. I know Man, it ain't I, much I, to what you're doing, no, but I we was, got a thousand dollar prize. We going up on the prize no, this year. 
I was real fair with those guys, but I'm gonna tell you how I'm gonna tell you how I'm approaching this. I'm approaching this. I'm approaching this. See me with a George Foreman grill. Look, hey, I'm approaching this right here. I'm approaching this right here like I used to approach my opponent when I got on the court. You don't understand. I'm pre-gaming. Everything that I do is, you know, it's 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 calculated. I'm not I'm not getting dunked on out here. You can forget about it. You feel me? So 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 are you a judge or a contestant this year? No, I'll probably be a judge, man. You know, I'll probably be a judge. I mean, if it come down to it, if you get a lot more people in it to make it funner, I may get in it. I may, I may get in it. But like I say, when I used to come in the gym, guess what they used to say I used to do? I used to take the fun out of it. So if I come in yours, I may take the fun out of it for some of the guys when they That's see it. That's all right. We don't worry about the fun. Look, I'm hungry. Look, I don't worry about the fun. I don't worry about the damn taste, man. No. I, ain't pulling up. I ain't pulling up with no little grill I'm taking off the back of the truck. You feel me? I ain't pulling up with no little, with no little bag of charcoal. I might Ooh. chop a whole tree down to come out there. You feel me? When Listen, I come, can he do that, please? Hey, when I come, please. I'm bringing that smoke. That's all. Okay, okay. Let me tell you this. I saw you pass out flies and say you're gonna get a a, a a nightclub. Now I saw you in Lowe's and you told me you was gonna get this smokehouse. This 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 no, this, no. this school truck. Tell tell Where can we expect the smokehouse? We'll get him there for you. Location. Too. Tell him how long ago I saw you in Lowe's and I said I was gonna do this. That's about, about a year and a half, two years ago, bro. You you had it in plan. Honestly, you you were very meticulous about what you wanted to do and very fair and honest with yourself, may I add. So with that being said, I yeah, know the conversation we had. When can we expect a smokehouse location? Because bro, it's in you. This You're not going to stop at the food truck. I'm going to tell you. I'm going I'm to be very honest with you guys. The the businesses that I was in, they hit me on hit me and my family on my back financially pretty hard. It took me a few years to get out of that. And, you know, I still got some things I'm paying on. But, you know, that's in the past. My my, I've done the restaurant before. I've had those big overheads, you know. The overheads is really what pushed me to want to do the food truck. Right. My wife is sitting right here. She'll tell you. I told her. I feel so strong about this move and the way God is motivating me and and, and, and teaching me to Preach. where wherever this food truck takes us, guess what? We getting on the plane and going. So if we got a restaurant here in Greenville, Spartanburg, Jacksonville, three, four years from now, then that's what we'll have. But we're gonna we're gonna do baby steps and we're gonna take it one step at a time. Okay, and we're gonna use a food truck as a platform to get started. But I, I feel the world need to taste this barbecue. I so what's on the menu? Special. When I come to the food truck, what's on the menu? Oh, man. I'm, we're going to have me and, me and my partner right now. Me and my partner, Cuz. You know him as um, Jeff, D. Jeff on Facebook. And my wife. We're working right now to come up with a menu um, that's going to be a little bit different, but down whole South Carolina barbecue. I see Hurt just left. But um, because he's greedy, he's hungry, he's about to go find a food truck. Bless his heart. Yeah, we're gonna have smoked ribs, pork. Occasionally, we'll do prime rib and beef ribs. Okay. We're gonna do um smoked and grilled chicken. We're gonna do grilled salmon. 
with mm. a with a mango salsa. Okay. Got me back. We're gonna do. You, you got hungry? Do, yeah, we're gonna do. We're gonna do um, grilled wings as like a, a weekly special. Everybody likes the whole. Some people like the whole wings. Some people like the the short wings. Um, we're gonna do hash and rice. Mm. No, all Trina. The, all the all the barbecue hash is made, you know, fresh. Up, Trina. <laughs> um, we're gonna do seasoned green beans, collard greens. We're gonna do my wife's homemade potatoes. My wife's homemade potato salad. We're gonna do my wife's um, homemade lemon sour cream pound cake, which is the Woo! best pound cake you ever tasted in this on this planet. I ain't never lose it. It is pretty good. It's pretty good. I've had it. She sells those whole by the way, and she sells a lot of them during the holiday. And she takes them. I've had it on more than one. You a hater, her? Are you born that way? Y'all may may have seen some of the videos where I got you know in trouble for eating some of her cakes, cutting them when I wasn't supposed to. But those cakes are going to be for the public. We're going to have fresh banana pudding. We're going to have fresh banana pudding when we go out on Sundays. We won't go out on every Ooh. Sunday, but the ones we do, we have fresh, fresh uh, made banana pudding. Um, we're going to we're going to we're going to have a lot of different things that we do. We're going to do a lot of kebabs. Everybody loves kebabs. We're going to do. We a, have a question a, asking, are you going to be embarking in vegan options? Um, no, no, hold on. Yeah. Yeah. Not only that, she want to know if you yeah. could do plant-based grilled food like she, we're trying to challenge you we want you to be the best options. smokehouse you can be that is vegan one, of the things, one of the things about the vegan options is it has to be authentic Ooh. so for a vegan to be authentic one of the things is like allergies and people things that people don't eat you got to look at it like that uh, when I was working overseas and working in the restaurants when somebody doesn't eat pork, you can't cook a chicken or a beef item on the same grill that you cook pork on because they don't eat pork. Now, Trina says, or, I do eat pork ribs. <laughs> but one of the things that I mean, it's always, it'll always be an option and it's something that I've been looking at wanting, to, wanting us to try, but we have to do it to where it has to be authentic because you can't cook it on the same equipment that you're cooking everything else on oh, because wow. the juices the fats and everything is going to be what doesn't make it vegan anymore you know now you, you put something in some in some um some beef some beef some, some that's when you pull out the beef. george foreman grill for them people yeah i mean that's something as we go i want to try to cook <laughs> some, um, some vegan food in the smoker you know and just to see see if it can be authentic. So you got um, another question that says the CTS podcast will be the podcast for the Juneteenth Festival. They want to know, are you going to be the plug? Too? This is the plug. It was asked, will Metro Smokehouse be at Juneteenth? 6,000 um, people, six. I think you need to find your ass there. More than likely we'll be there. Yeah, more than likely we'll be there. We were supposed to be there last year, but the, the food truck that we ordered was still on order. And the only reason we have the food truck that we have right now is because we canceled that order, got a refund on it because they, the, the, the manufacturer couldn't fulfill it. 
And um, we looked out and found one that was ready to go. You know, talk that talk, talk that talk. Tina, Tina said twenty thousand. Keep your little six hurt. That's what I said. I said I they said, had a more than six thousand. I said they had more they than twenty thousand. Twenty thousand. She had to do that. Sticks ain't got that many damn rib. <laughs> hey, what's up, Tina? Hey, I can do that. I can do that. One of the things about me is um I had, you know, I had a big I've had the big pool behind smokers and everything. I sold my pool behind smoker because I didn't want to be known as the man that just pulled up with the grill. I didn't want to be the man standing on the side of the road with a grill. Everything that I've done and everything that I've been a part of, we try to push it to the limit. We try to make it as big as possible. Us standing on the side of the road with a tent, a table, and a smoker was not living up to our full potential. Right. Like what you were talking about with a restaurant, I could have, we could have opened up a restaurant. I can open, we could open up a restaurant right now. That's just not what we want to do right now. Just because of the logistics, you know, it'll be easier to get going with a food truck right now. Where we don't have to worry about the overhead, we don't have to worry about traffic when it's pouring down rain. We don't have to worry about somebody wanting barbecue and not wanting barbecue. We don't have to worry about the flow, just the flow of people coming in and out, in and out of a restaurant. The last restaurant I had downtown on Main Street, the Fuskies, when it rained real bad, man, we were real, real slow. All the, like it was like we were already slow, but. It was a, it was a, um, it was a, a gullah, like low country food restaurant, shrimp and grits and stuff like that. And whenever, whenever it was real slow, the weather was bad, we would lose money like real bad. And to have an option of where we can go out with a food truck and set it up systematically without having, you know, to pay all those expenses and mm. to worry about hiring people and, deal with certain you know certain demographics every day we could change our demographics if one side of town is slow or if we can't reach people on one side of town we can go to where they are now i can pull up at your yeah. door i can pull up at your door <laughs> you see what i'm saying let let, let 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 me ask you something bro right now in your life well, where you at you you papa you uh you got the smokehouse thing going uh we love to quote you as a gentle giant. You, you behind the scenes is so much respect for you. Um, just the way you carry yourself, your mannerism, and how selfless you are with your information. Right now, would you rather have eight thousand people at concert to fulfill your soul, or are you catering to twelve hundred people of your cooking? What's That's what's back. more super? What completes being right now? That's back to doing something that you really, really love. Those those concerts was never my passion. That's something that I got into because of the business partners that I had. That's why that I actually that I have. Like my partner Vic, Victory Promotions, you know, um D Jeff, you know, Cuz, I mean Smokey. That's your face. These guys, these guys go hard. Um Darren from Sheen magazine, you know, little Todd one. These guys go real, real hard. It's hard to not want to be a some part of something when you have a team aspect that's winning, that's that's doing good. So for me, the passion will always be in the food, you know. 
the the concerts is, are very profitable when everything goes right, but it doesn't always go right. There's no such thing as an easy licking, man. The food is something that I'm I can put my face on. Word. The food is something that I can stand in front of. See, all the other businesses that I did, I was never really interested in trying to be the face of those. You know, you never see my face on no flyers and stuff unless it was my birthday. You ain't never seen promote. Oh, brought to you by six nine. You know, da 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 da. But I was always a part of them. Yeah. Same like with the concerts. You don't see my name. Say, oh, six nine. You know, bringing something. No, but I'm a part of it. You know why? Because I'm a team player and I'm a role player. I know what my role is. I know what I'm gonna do for us to make us great. And I'm gonna stay in my lane. As long as everybody on your team can do that, you'll win. And I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. If, say, I was in the music industry, I would be behind. I would be behind the glass. You get what I'm saying? I would be somebody doing something with You would be slim. You would be slim with uh, cash yeah, money. Something like the that. I've never had to be. I'd be the, the, the Chinese dude from the Neptunes. Yeah. <laughs> I've never had to be in the limelight to be successful. This business right here, I'm going to I'm gonna push myself out into the front street, into the limelight, because this is the first thing that I've really done that I can stand by, that I can say that everybody that's around me, my wife, my business partner Jeff, y'all can get on my back. We're gonna win. I'm gonna we're gonna push this. Yes. This is not only something I like to do. I'm real good at it. Yes. Where, you know, I believe in this. You know, like a lot of people cook. You know, this and that and that. How do you know you can cook? Because people tell you your food is good, not you. If you just think your food is good because you like the way it tastes, you a fool. Because <laughs> if ain't nobody telling you your food is good. And people requesting it and wanting it, and hey man, you probably just you probably your food might not be bad, but your food might be okay. I'm proud of you, bro. Real proud of you, man. I appreciate that. That means a lot, man. Because you know I've seen um, Crystal. I'm just meeting you, but I've seen Herc and I've seen Ian's growth over the years. Like I said, I've been knowing Ian since he was three. He's my nephew. Um, Herc, I've seen you. I remember when you and Ken used to be out there, man. Every time I hear that song that Cassidy on, man, I think about y'all, man. Like, y'all used to get, every time that song that, that Cassidy came on, y'all used to get down, boy. We had some good times back in the day, but I've seen your growth. How you, how you jumped, you told me what you wanted to do when we were in Lowe's and what you were doing, what you were planning, and you doing it. The last time I saw Ken, Ken did the same thing. And, Ken is so deep into what he's doing right now with that real estate, man. I'm, I'm proud of all you guys, man. You guys are, you know, a few years younger than me. You know, I was out there before a lot of y'all, and it, and, it, and it feels good with the good company to see y'all coming up, man. And hey, we going to the top together, man. That's what. That's how I believe it, man. That's how. That's how it works. You, you said know, you, you, know, you, you, you respect the more you know, though, bro. You respect the more you know. Real talk. Man, I appreciate well, that. You said what, Chris? Ho, 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 ho. You said you've known them since they was little. That's a long time. You know, they, they yeah. old. Correction. He, he knew Ed since he was little. Ho, Chris, 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 Chris. Chris. You, you do this. You do this every week. 
He said he said in pistol pistol when he was keeping in one night. He said he was babysitting in pistol. He said he knew me because I bought too much liquor at the bar. But in definitely pistol. I said, damn. He's definitely known me since I was three. Definitely known me since I was three. Um, the point I'm trying to make is you was out there with me with those flyers back in the day. And it's a testimony because nobody wants to be in the same place they were 15, 20 years ago, man. Not at all. Not so at all. To see the growth, to see the growth in the people around you is a testimony of the circle of people that you're around. Word. You, know, you, you want to be around good people. You you put yourself off as a good person, but unless you unless you unless you are being a good person, you know, things can things can come back and bite you. But man, y'all y'all good people, man, and it ain't just me saying it, man. It's a lot of people out here. Y'all have impacted a lot of lives, and I appreciate I appreciate all of y'all also. We really appreciate you coming on here today. You not only educated anyone watching, but you've educated and inspired. Um, us tremendously as a team as wanting to go for us who want to take this further we of course we love what we're doing here but we have a, a purpose with it like I talked to the guys about a Black Wall Street where our page that we have for CTS turns into a Black Wall Street you can go and click on anything and it'll be a business here in South Carolina take you straight out to them so that we can help push us in a very very powerful way so we really appreciate what you've instilled in us in this hour because it's going to make us move different. Your wife agreed to make my cake. That's really exciting to me, too. Um, oh, she did? She did. She did. And she had it in writing, too. I'm excited. And it said for Crystal, too. But that means I didn't have to share. Um, <laughs> Go to plug this up. June 2nd, sis. Go to tell them June hey, 2nd. June 2nd will be catered by Natural Smokeout. I got to figure it out. <laughs> but, you know, me, you know, me, a lot, a lot that I do is, you know, contributed to the people that I'm around. Um, a lot of people motivate me every day. Um, my wife, my wife and my son motivate me. Um, my best friends, Vic and, and Will and, and Cuz and, you know, and Tony, everybody that I'm around, they're all business oriented people, but they're all family people, you know, um, our family, you know, is, you know, our families come first. If, if what we're out doing is not benefiting our family in some kind of way, you know, we're doing the wrong thing. You know, it's like, it's go time now, man. I'll be 50 years old this year. I don't have time to sit around and try to figure out what I'm good at anymore. I know what I can do, and I know the things I can't do. The things that I can't do that I haven't been successful in, I won't be trying those things anymore. You know? So all my all my focus is going to the things that I'm good at, you know? The people that I'm around every day that inspire me to, to keep going, <laughs> Is the people that I'll, you know, I'll remain around, you know, uh, have conversations with a lot, a lot. Every day I'm having conversations with somebody to where I'm consulting for them, consulting with them, or, you know, just calling them for consultation. You know, I got people, a lot of people that I really look up to that I can call on for advice, you know, and. Having people in your life that you can do that with, man, is the takes a lot of pressure off you when you when you're so focused on making the right decision. Sometimes you know you you fall off track. You need somebody to remind you, you know, that Absolutely. either decision you made was good 
or to maybe give you some insight on a, on another path. You know, success success is a is a long road to climb. Word. But it's not an impossible road to climb. But if you surround yourself around good people, it makes your life a whole lot easier. I love how you include at all times that it took a powerful team, a powerful partner, and a powerful team to get you through all these different seasons of life that brought you to where you are right now, where you're not doing what you you have to do to survive and take care of your family. You are doing what you want to do. And that makes a massive difference. Last last week, my son came to me and he was like, my son's 29 years old and he's seen me do just about everything under the sun. He's seen all the mistakes, you know, he's seen the growth. He's seen the, the positivity. He came to me and he said, dad, you really doing this? Like, you ain't just smoking, you know, burning meat in the backyard no more. I don't oh I don't burn some meat up now. <laughs> He's like, you know, you ain't just burning up meat in the backyard no more. You really doing this. He said, I'm proud, I'm proud of you, Dad. That, That's that a powerful so statement. To me. And you know, my, my wife tells me that every day. But you know, you gotta remember, you know, everybody watching you, even the even you know the people closest to you, you may not say it every time, you know, everybody's watching you, you know. My sister Shay down in down in Brunswick told me about six months to a year ago everything that we're doing right now with this you know where we're fixing to go with this barbecue truck she told me and my wife that this is the with the direction where we're going and what we're doing that this is where we're getting ready to be at you know and all we had to do was continue to keep putting the work in and you know we're going to see where God takes this. It's amazing the people in your takes. life, how they can prophesize over you. And when they see you hit that moment, they tell you, hey, this is it. Hey, this is coming. This is going to grow. That 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 right there is an amazing moment. Before we sign off for the night, because God knows you have instilled so much into us. If there was one, maybe two things that you could leave anybody with who is aspiring to achieve any dream or goal that they have, what would it be? Well, I would tell them to do something that they like doing. Find something that if you want to try to make money, it's something that you like doing. It doesn't have to be fun, but something you like doing that does not cause stress in your life. Anything that you can do that's fun for you, and can give you some kind of joy. If you have a choice to do that and be able to provide for yourself and your family, I would say take that path because if you're going to do it 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, it's better than going to work doing something that you hate to do every day. You like to do it because you're going to get paid, right? But right. wouldn't you like to get paid doing something you like to do? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad you love doing it because Miss Tina Torres is on your ass. She want to know. Vivian Green and Nabaroos. I mean, since you love as the long as real, she know they can't she have my know you get an opportunity for them to love your reels, bro. Bro, I, I'm here with you, bro. We here with you. But Tina Torres is already at Juneteenth, <laughs> handing reels to Nabaroos and Vivian and Green. I'm gonna tell you. I'm gonna tell you. Yeah, all right, so hold on. Very real quick. Two things. Two things. Mm -hmm. One, 
When can we get a tentative date of when we gonna see the, the food truck on the streets? And two, being a, a music podcast, give us your, your your best songs you like to listen to while you smoking your while you doing your thing on the grill. All right. The first time you're gonna get to see Metro Smokehouse Barbecue and Catering, which is myself, my wife, my business partner, um, cuz D Jeff, and my son is on April 30th at the Derby Party at the Gala with Night Vision, T Niles, um 401k entertainment and um what's the other guy's name i forgot the other uh, the other promoter's name but that'll be the first time you'll see us actually out doing our thing the way you'll see it on a weekly basis and, uh, all right april 30 if y'all be there be there april 30. We, have some, we have some caterings we have some caterings going on between now and then um, but that'll be the first time you get to see us out on Front Street doing our thing. And oh, when I'm listening, you know, to some music, when I'm when I'm really, you know, when I'm really in my zone, oh, you know, you're gonna hear that Jeezy. You're gonna hear that Jeezy. <laughs> you know, you're gonna hear a little bit of that. Oh, you know that Rick Ross. <laughs> Ross. <laughs> yeah, the biggest. You're gonna hear the biggest boss. I'm coming through. You know what I'm saying? You know I'm. You know, hey, I think I'm gonna be about 70, 80 years old riding around listening to Trap or Die. I stand on that. Man. Hey, last time I, I stand on that. <laughs> man, I'm telling you. Yeah, but yeah, I like you know I'm. I listen to all kind of music. Um, so I listen to some gospel too when I'm in the mood. You know. Me and my wife like to listen to a lot of R and B together. You know, I can't, I can't trap her out all the way. You know, because she's, a, <laughs> you know, she likes, she likes, you know, she likes, she likes a lot of the same music I listen to though. But yeah, that's what's up, man. Most definitely. So we looking forward to it, man. In June? Uh, wait, no, stop. Y'all ask y'all. I get a trap or die pound cake in June because that's exciting. That's what she said. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, man, I want to shout out, man, everybody, man, that um, has helped me, you know, with this this business stuff, you know, all my peeps, man, you know, cuz, old Victory Promotions, old Night Vision, Will and Tony and Razon and, you know, T Niles and all them guys. Me and T Niles had a real good conversation over this past weekend, you know. He has a pressure washing company. Um, my partner Polo has a food truck called Curbside Edition. He has one of the most popular food trucks in Colombia, and sure he's does. been a big inspiration to me um, as far as a food truck. And I've been a big inspiration for him for entrepreneurship because I started. We've been friends since he was 18 years old. We, we started. We were wow. been friends since 19, I think 1998, when I was working out at Square D. And I when I came back from overseas in 2012, and I started my entrepreneurship. You know, going into business for myself. All I was trying to do was Thank convince you, him, convince him to do the same thing. So finally, he quit his job and started a food truck and was successful. So a couple of years after he did that, he started getting on me about getting a food truck. So all it did was a road reverse. And that's another thing about being around good people. Good people are always going to lead you in the right way. Yep. Yes, sir. Yes, well, we sir. We appreciate tonight more than you will ever, ever know. Um, we're probably going to talk about it for a while. Um, yeah. Of course, we cannot wait for Juneteenth. I know I can't. I don't know what the rest of them, but I can't wait for June, period. Birthday cake, Metro Smokehouse. Juneteenth? We're talking Juneteenth. about April 30th. 
I, y'all talking about wrong time. Listen, y'all worry about y'all. Don't worry about me. I'm excited about it. <laughs> I'll, I'll be there April 30th, but I can't wait for June. But I can't thank you enough, your family, for allowing you to be on here and being with you and offering my cake. We appreciate y'all so, 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 so Had to throw much. that cake in there. Huh? Again, big homie. Appreciate you so much. Man, I appreciate hey, really, so much. really appreciate you guys for having us on here, man. Everybody be on the lookout for, for Metro Smokehouse. We're going to give y'all some good barbecue, some 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 really good times. We're always going to have fun doing it. And anytime you come to us and you get some food from us, you're going you're gonna to get the best quality that we can give you. Perfect, perfect. Well, you all, we thank you so much today for tuning in. Um, be on the lookout. CTS is going to launch our website at www.conversationsthatsuit.com. You can catch us at Conversations That Suit at Facebook or our YouTube page, which you'll actually be able to re-watch this, um, this live broadcast at YouTube. You can come check us out. Our channel is Conversations That Suit. Any videos that we do post um, when we go and see Metro Smokehouse at Juneteenth, we'll feature them then, too. <laughs> But, <laughs> Tell them about the Wednesdays, sis. Tell them about the Wednesdays. What, how, going, so I will announce that that we have decided that going forward, every Wednesday at 7, your cast will be on here. I know today the site had some situations going on, but every Wednesday going forward, we are going to be here at 7 p.m. live. We're going to talk about Black, um, Black Wall Street, South Carolina. We're going to feature local artists. We're going to talk about local entrepreneurs. We're going to come to you with information about credit, budget, good health, fitness, you name it. We're going to bring it because we are promoting a hip-hop culture, a Black community of wealthy, healthy, and great work in adults. So we are excited. We can't wait to see you next Wednesday when we talk about one hit wonders. March is almost over. April 1st, which is April Fool's Day, is coming up next Friday. So Wednesday, we're going to talk about these fools or these Return artists. Return of the Mac. Return that of the Mac. One hit. <laughs> and where they at though? <laughs> we'll have DJ Big Worm, Jamie Brunson on with us, who actually will do a live mix on our show. So we're excited about that. It's a lot of good things coming up. We can't wait to win. We can't wait to eat. <laughs> Y'all be on and the lookout. We can't wait to see what all comes out with us. So, uh, hey, we look forward to seeing you guys next Wednesday at 7. Peace. Good night. Peace.